the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. We learned in the last few days that Silvergate Bank has filed for voluntary liquidation in the United States. Now, that may not mean a lot to South Africans since it doesn't operate in South Africa. But here's why it's important. Silvergate is listed on the New York Stock Exchange and has seen its stock price collapse over the last month as regulators started to scrutinize what was styled as a crypto-friendly bank. The knock-on effect of this is that some crypto arbitrage providers in South Africa have hit the pause button and stopped offering crypto arbitrage services until another solution can be found. The reason for this is that they were using Silvergate as their U.S. banking partner. Silvergate had stopped accepting payments from arbitrage providers. So crypto arbitrage works like this. If you're a South African with foreign currency allowances, you can use that to purchase cryptos abroad and sell them in South Africa at a profit. But because South Africa has exchange controls, assets like the U.S. dollar or Bitcoin, they traditionally sell for more in South Africa than they do in the U.S. And that's why there is a crypto arbitrage opportunity. Cryptos used for this type of trading are usually Bitcoin or a U.S. dollar backed stable coin called USDC, which is issued by a company called Circle. It was Circle that required its arbitrage partners to bank with Silvergate. Silvergate no longer accepts payments made via Silvergate. That's what started this whole thing. The ghost of the collapsed crypto exchange FTX continues to haunt the crypto markets. It's one of several crypto implosions over the last year. And you might be wondering, when does this all end? The collapse of FTX forced Silvergate to start offloading assets in January, which it did. It sold $5.2 billion of its assets at a loss of $718 million. And it did this to shore up its balance sheet and strengthen liquidity. Clearly, this wasn't enough. And Silvergate has now filed for voluntary liquidation. Joining us to explore this and what it actually means for the crypto arbitrage market is Andrew Ludwig, who is founder of crypto arbitrage provider Currency Hub. Hi, Andrew. It's good to chat to you again. First of all, it seems that your clients are not affected by the Silvergate implosion, and you may be fairly unusual in that respect. Explain what happened and why this is. Yeah, hi, Kieran, and, and thank you to your readers and listeners for, for being here. And yeah, we were greatly unaffected. And this is really primary, primarily because of our strategy, which has been to ensure that we have a duplication of counterparties throughout the service providers. So never forgetting, this is a frontier environment, and one must expect the unexpected. So as such, we've had an OTC solution and an intra-exchange solution. And while we favor the OTC providers, primarily because they can handle our volumes, ensure liquidity, ensure suitable risk measures are in place, but we've been very lucky. And we also come from a hedge fund background. And I think that's important because we built Currency Hub with an institutional mindset and a focus on the risk management. For example, Kieran, last year, October, around the FTX blowout, we ceased trading for a couple of weeks when we got wind of this. We evaluated our counterparties. We drilled down into their exposure and their risk. We eyeballed them. And we spent hours going through the stuff with these guys. There, too, we were luckily unaffected as well. Okay, can I just uh, interrupt you there? You mentioned that you have two solutions, one being an OTC and the other one an exchange solution. Okay, so people who are not familiar with crypto arbitrage might struggle to understand the importance of that. Please explain that. Correct. So OTC, the acronym for over-the-counter, is essentially reserved for largely firms or individuals using large purchases of crypto. And, and this is where the main market really is. So OTC, a good example, OVEX. 
All right. So they are probably the preeminent OTC provider here in South Africa, and they need no introduction to your show. Intra-exchange is essentially where the crypto arbitrage would occur through the exchanges, like we might purchase through Luna or Valor and offload at a Kraken or an FTX on the other side, for example. The intra-exchange part is where the story is relevant, because this is where the circle third-party payment infrastructure enables South Africans to offload their fiat cash into crypto to purchase the USDC, thus entering the crypto market, and then return it to South Africa, performing the arbitrage. So that is the uh, the two sort of routes in moving uh, crypto around. Okay, so let's just go back to Silvergate. And it does seem that a lot of the crypto arbitrage providers in South Africa were using Silvergate as a banking partner. Silvergate had styled itself as this crypto-friendly bank where you could make transactions in dollars and crypto 24-7, which is amazing uh, if you think about it, because if you're doing a normal bank transaction, you might wait days before a, a transaction is settled. So they started to get into some trouble a little while ago. Give us a little bit of background on that. Okay, yeah. So over the years, Silvergate established itself as a key player in the crypto industry. I mean, they were big. They were providing banking services to the largest crypto exchanges and the institutional investors. Now, the run on the bank itself, Silvergate, was the direct result of the collapse of the crypto industry, which was you know, narrowing down during the October period last year, thus stemming from the demise of FTX. And this is the contagion fallout that you covered in the, in the recent article. Relevant to South Africa, Circle uses Silvergate, as I explained earlier, as one of its primary banking partners to provide its customers with a cash-to-crypto on-ramp. So Circle, as you mentioned earlier, is also the issue of USDC, that is the stable coin, and here too, they are a major player in this space. So they made a decision, they being Circle, to cease third-party payments last week as a result of Silvergate's collapse. And what this meant is it essentially switched off the majority of the South African arbitrage industry literally overnight. And this meant that our competitors were now unable to get their clients' dollars into crypto offshore, thus halting their arbitrage services. Okay, so when they stopped accepting third-party payments, I, I guess essentially uh, if, if you were a, an individual with a relationship with Silvergate in your own name, Andrew Ludwig, for example, you could have been a client of Silvergate. You could still do that because you're operating in your own capacity and not as a third party. Is that correct? Yeah, not, not necessarily. I mean, they're third parties, but many of the third parties are acting on behalf of the individual. Okay, so basically the, the transactions that were ceased or that were stopped were companies handling funds on behalf of somebody else. Do I understand that correctly? That's correct, Karen. I mean, essentially, the intermediaries performing the arbitrage surface. Okay. Now, let's just have a look at the impact this has had on the arbitrage market itself. I, I noticed that the the premium, the arbitrage premium, that's the profit, the gross profit that you would expect to make on an arbitrage trade, that widened to about 2.4% this week, which is three times what it was just a couple of weeks ago. It's narrowed. It's got gone back to about, what, I think 1.4, 1.6% in the last few days. And I guess a question that a lot of people will be asking, are we back to the good old days, you know, when in 2018 and 2017, when we saw crypto arbitrage premiums of 8%, you could make 8% on a trade in a few hours. Are we back there or is this just very temporary? 
I'm not sure, eh? but I mean, let's look at the at the big picture here. I mean, this is massive, Kieran. I mean, I estimate is that ceasing the circle third-party payments would probably account for around a billion rand a month in the local arbitrage market. You know, and this that's you know this has forced most of our competitors to halt trading. So this is a massive blow for them and for their clients. Now, most arbitrage firms out the market now, and as a result of Circle, we did see the premium spike this week simply because there was less supply of crypto locally. Are we back to the 3-4% range? I think that might be a bit hopeful, but even if we trend at 1-2%, there's still a decent profit in arbitrage. Over 60,000 Rand at these current levels, literally for a few hours work, using your 10 million Rand allowance, they would ordinarily go to waste. Also to point out, had the Rand and Bitcoin performed a bit better this week, I think we could have reached 3%. Interesting. Uh, yeah, because Bitcoin itself is down and it seems to be down because of the, the fallout from Silvergate. So there's a lot of moving parts here, as you mentioned, the RAND and Bitcoin itself. Okay, let's just talk about this voluntary liquidation of Silvergate. I mean, that's quite a serious blow to the crypto industry. It comes after the collapse of FTX in November last year. And before that, we had the Terra Luna stablecoin collapse and Voyager Capital and, you know, the list goes on and on. So the question I'm asking is, how big a deal is this and are we ever going to see the end of it? I mean, let's let's go back to May. Hey? This is where it began. A lot of people don't realize that. You know, the, the Corexa terror, had, had, that was the beginning of the rot of FTX. And we've since learned around the flash and flowing of funds into Almeida. And hence, he is, uh, he is, he is uh, Bankman Fried is in the position that he's in. Sorry, just to, to interrupt you there, um, you're talking about Sam Bankman-Fried, who is the the CEO of, of FTX, and Alameda is a sister company, the hedge fund company. Correct. So I think there'll be a great Netflix story coming out of this. But the rot and the contagion that we first all experienced in May would then repeat it again in, in October. And it's not limited to the crypto markets. It's It's having a massive impact on institutions. And and other sort of throughput. So, yeah, Karen, I mean, I think there's, there, there are always black swan events. Uh, crypto is it, it white knuckle stuff. I mean, it's we're anxiously bullish around the space the whole time. But what does it mean for crypto? I think the biggest blow was in October, the FSCA came up with regulations. And this basically meant that we now had a regulatory framework in place. And regulation is absolutely imperative for the success of crypto. Now, that needs to catch up. But there's so much reputational risk around the mess that is FTX and all the learnings and things that have gone horribly wrong. I don't blame anyone for standing up in, in, in the margins. Um, but we do believe in the technology. We do believe in the theses. And I think, again, this is a pioneering frontier stuff, often likened to the 2000.com space. And there's a lot of analogies and data being drawn on that particular point. But we're at the beginning of a, of a, of a revolution. And I, I just think it's a very exciting time. But at the same time, everyone should be very, very cautious and deservingly so. Just talk about regulations for a minute and the impact that will have on the arbitrage market. Because all crypto asset service providers will have to be licensed as financial services providers by the end of this year. What impact do you think that's going to have or has the impact already been felt? Yeah, so... There's a lot of these things can get priced in ultimately, but to speak on the regulation and to make it as quick as possible, if you're not regulated and have the necessary infrastructure in place to perform financial transactions on behalf of your clients, then you're probably not going to be able to do the arbitrage. The workings in this regard remain a little bit gray as well, uh, and and the regulators do need to, to complete their documentation as such, but the regulation's in place and thus enforceable. 
what does this mean? It means less people are doing arbitrage in, in, in due course, and that should essentially increase the premium because there's less less space in it. That's what we would hope for. You know, in, in terms of you know the arbitrage like disappearing and, and premiums dis- disappearing altogether, that too is a, a tricky question because like the hopium in me wants to say, yes, we're here for the long time. But the regulated experienced investor that I am has to acknowledge that arbitrage premium by its very nature is something that will diminish with time. So, for example, when we began this in 2017, premium was trending at 20%. And in 2019, it went to 8 to 10%. Then OVIX came on the scene. They went full throttle with their marketing. No thanks to you, Karen. As a result, more and more people hopped onto the trade. It got to 5% in 2020. It got to 2.5 in 2021, 2% last year. So in six, seven years, it's gone from 20% to 2%. Now this year, we're trending at around 1%. The recent news suddenly spiked. We saw a 2.2 earlier this week. I think it's settling at this 1% mark. And again, reference to BTC, you know, Bitcoin and, and the RAND blowing out. Again, could have been higher. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, notwithstanding the regulation, but also the impact of this particular event, which other arbitrage services come back online? Who has the appetite to do run the course in the regulatory landscape? Do they have the experience to make the applications to the FSCA? I don't think many will be able to because this is a laborious task. And what does this do for the premium? Ultimately, it should increase it. Um, but yeah, Karen, I mean, you kind of always heard me say this before. I treat this thing like a block of ice. The premium is literally melting in front of you. But at the current premium levels, we can make 60,000 Rand in a few weeks. And if it gets back to over 2,000, who knows, maybe even more. I mean, we spoke last year and discussed the possibility of the crypto arbitrage market eventually disappearing. And you touched on that a minute ago. And here we are. It seems to bounce back to life all of a sudden. Are these premiums or profits, so people are not confused when we talk about a premium, we're talking about a profit, are they likely to stay around for a while? I, I mean, my I've been looking at this market for several years, and it was a question that a lot of people were posing back in 2018. Oh, this, this, uh, this margin is disappearing. It's going to disappear altogether. But it does always come back like it did this week. Kieran, I mean, let's dust off the crystal ball once again. You know, the view we share here in Currency Hub is that for as long as there's exchange control in South Africa, there will be a premium. And for as long as there's demand in crypto, there will be liquidity. Now, as for the recent gray listing, this will likely have a positive impact on crypto as people require other means of moving money around. So I think that could be good for the industry. Most importantly is the arrival of the regulations, which we touched on. And I think this will also be a point of consolidation for the arbitrage market. But it also may potentially equip firms to be able to use their foreign direct investment, their FDI, and that investment to purchase crypto offshore. So now this cuts out big exchanges and OTC locally. And when that happens, your, your R will basically disappear overnight and, and the R could close once and for all. But I'm not entirely sure that the South African Reserve Bank would release such control. And then, and then in the R, again, lastly, the unforeseen Black Swan event. But yeah, Kieran, in the meantime, we can only make hay while the sun shines and we will continue helping as many people as we can. I think you know, for the future of arbitrage, so, so your, your readers and listeners are all familiar with the arbitrage that you've kind of described to them. But these arbitrage, arbitrages exist everywhere, not limited to our, our, our crypto, but across financial markets and jurisdictions. And yeah, we've got some really exciting opportunities out there. 
you know, just to be frank, we're just struggling to divert our attention. Uh, as such, you know, the Currency Hub will remain focused on the ARB you guys are familiar with and our clients' returns. Yeah, I mean, arbitrage, there used to be an arbitrage between London and Johannesburg stock exchanges for gold mining shares. You know, the same share would be listed on both exchanges and there would be a price difference. And people would spot that opportunity and eliminate it, you know, sometimes within 10 minutes because if it was cheaper in Joburg than it was in London, you'd obviously buy here and maybe and sell in London. Yeah, Karen, I mean, that's spot on. I mean, those are kind of standard things. But the arbitrage space has just matured a lot in the last few years. And we see it increasingly because so we're active traders. We, we don't use algorithms to do our trading. We are, we are watching the screens. We're watching the market. Our Bloomberg screens are open. Twitter's on fire. We're looking for reasons to cause the premium to open up. And that's, you know, full kudos to Dave. That is how he has built the strategy. Now, as the data science comes into this particular place and the algorithms become super efficient, we're starting to see, you know, that there are bigger players and guys with bigger balance sheets, you know, potentially playing in this space and, and having impact. And that's not limited to guys playing in SA. There's so much deep, sophisticated finance at hand in here that it's just very difficult to get one's head around. But yeah, there are arbitrage opportunities uh, across the continent, across the world, and, and, and long may they last. It's interesting to note that FTX, which, of course, we spoke about it, collapsed last year, that started out as an arbitrage service. They were trying to capture, the, there was an extraordinary premium between places like Korea and the United States, and they were trying to arbitrage that. I think at some point that arbitrage premium was about 30%. Of course, you know, they, they, they had a lot of difficulty in getting that, but I, th I think they, they eventually succeeded. The, then founder, the FTX founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, he got more adventurous and he started the FTX exchange, which became pretty big. The point I'm trying to make is, is that arbitrage opportunities always exist. You made that point as well. You can buy an asset on one market, sell it on another for a profit. But that profit is usually quite small. And the more traders that spot it and exploit the opportunity, the quicker that opportunity evaporates. So in light of all of that, you know, you've mentioned that you're looking at other arbitrage opportunities. Where do you see the future of crypto arbitrage in South Africa going? Yeah, Karen, I mean, that's a tricky one. I mean, I, I don't want you disclosing our, our, our IP and, and, and phase two as such. But yeah, I think the future of crypto arbitrage in the, in the very trade that we're familiar with, I think we still got bandwidth. I think there are a number of really good service providers out there, some of whom have halted trading, and I'm quite confident some of them will bounce back. You know, we have a very high caliber of teams and firms out there. So I respect that we have some really good and healthy competition out there. So if they can find their feet and they can find an alternative on-ramp, then, you know, then we've got some more crypto to go. I think we're waiting on the regulations and a couple of unknowns. Is the block of ice going to last another year? Could it go another three years? It absolutely could. So I think the future of crypto arbitrage right now, everyone's looking at this. And this is interesting, Kieran. We feel so many phone calls with the guys saying, oh, what is the premium today? And we're like, okay, it's, yeah, it's trending 1%. Oh, that's, you know, I miss the old days when it was like five. So those days are gone. Everyone needs to just actually acknowledge they're gone, but they can also actually remain grateful that there's still 60,000 Rand on the table using a allowance that you ordinarily wouldn't use. It's a wonderful vehicle. And, and even if you're putting your own capital down, you know, we've kind of modeled this out at around 200,000 Rand. You're going to make a, you know, around a 20% return in a couple of months. Now, that's way better than equities, 
bonds, money, crypto right now. Plus, you know, it's, it's money that's being that is ordinarily sitting in the bank earning six and a half, seven percent interest over an entire year. There are lots of vehicles and entry points to get into this arbitrage. Um, you know, the, the, the minimums have kind of changed as well. And yeah, Weird Currency Hub have been and remain entrepreneurial in trying to find ways and means that we can assist people in taking advantage of this opportunity while it is here and, uh, and, and changing people's lives. Yeah, and of course, the professional arbitrage providers, they've, uh, they've really got quite sophisticated in the way that they hedge out the risks as far as you can. The one thing that you can't hedge out, of course, is counterparty risk as in Silvergate. But it seems that uh, from the people that I've spoken to, everybody's the client funds are safe. They're back in South Africa, and that's not an issue. Um, but they were able to hedge out uh, and are able to hedge out the the currency risk and the, uh, the 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 crypto risk, and that was that's a huge advance because uh, you know those of us who were doing a you know so DIY arbitrage in the old days, that was always you know you could see your profit disappear in two hours, you know. Yeah, so I think to the point of anyone doing their own personal arbitrage, there were you know that was a really cool thing to do. But if you're when your premium dipped below two percent and you didn't own the FX rate. You're going to get carried out as the rand swung through its, its volatility right now. I mean, on the point of this arbitrage, it's it's down to risk and how the risk is managed. And so, you know, we 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 are the foreign exchange intermediary, so we are that counterparty. So that that that, that counterparty risk is in-house ultimately. So our clients know who that intermediary is. We book the forex, we lock in a rate, so there's no there's no impact on the rand moving. And simultaneously, because we have the Category 2 FSCA license, that's the asset management discretionary mandate, we can also book the premium at the same time. And the volumes that we do over OTC basically ensures that we lock in a premium rate, we lock, up, we lock in the FX rate, and therefore we know exactly what profits our clients are going to make before we commit to the trade. So we, since 2017, have not had a single loss because this is a pure arbitrage strategy. And we will maintain that for as long as we can because of the way that we are doing it. But the CAT2 and the FX intermediary are two vital tools for a pure arbitrage strategy and I dare say limited to, to, to currency hub. I want to turn now to Harry Scherzer, who is CEO of Future Forex, which is another crypto arbitrage service provider. I want to get his perspective on this. Harry, good to have you back on the podcast. Just very briefly, give us an update on Future Forex's crypto arbitrage service, which you announced, I think, in the last week that you are pausing for a little while. Is that temporary? How's it, Karen? Uh, yeah, good to be back, and thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, so we have paused our arbitrage service, and as I'm sure you know, the reason is largely due to Silvergate basically collapsing and them being uh, the bank that were previously used for getting the funds through to Circle. So it has paused as a result. And as I'm sure you and your listeners are aware, our number one priority is and always has been the safety of our clients' funds. So until we find a solution that we are 100% comfortable with, we won't be reopening. That said, you asked me if it's temporary. We're really hoping so. But like I said, we will not open a solution that we're not 100% certain of. So only once we're sure that our clients' funds will be safe and we're absolutely certain of that, will we open our doors to arbitrage again. 
Okay, and I presume that uh, you say your clients' funds are safe. So you closed out all existing or open positions that you had, and those funds have been repatriated to South Africa, and they're here. That's correct, and everything has been closed out. We actually preemptively stopped trading as we started hearing serious rumors about Silvergate, even though we were allowed to trade. We thought, no, priority is worth keeping our clients' funds safe, and so we actually closed out trades uh, relatively early. I presume that there are solutions that you can pursue to revive the arbitrage trade. Can you tell us about that? Uh, you know, I mean, maybe some of this you can't talk about, but uh, you sound like maybe you're not sure that, that it will resume. Well, look, Karen, we are looking at solutions uh, all around the world. I mean, as, as an actuary, it is important to me that risk mitigation is first. It's most important that we're sure we trust the third party we deal with and that the third party that we deal with has the correct anti-money laundering and counter-terrorism reporting standards in place to ensure that not only do we adhere to keeping our clients' funds safe, but as an FSP, it's also important that we adhere to the rules of South Africa and those abroad. So in general, there are a lot of requirements that need to be met before we reopen this, but I can say that we're aggressively working on a number of solutions. And what you'll find, Karen, is because we were doing such high volumes, Loads of companies have come to our aid and said, let us help you with this because we were affecting their volumes as well. Um, For example, the local exchanges in South Africa uh, were very reliant on our volumes and have offered to help there. So we really do have not only our own team of 45 individuals, but teams all over that are really working hard to find a solution here. So I think what's important for the listeners, Kieran, is that we will not open until we're sure that the correct solution is in place, but we are looking aggressively to ensure we can do so. Okay, and from your perspective, was there any sign that Silvergate was in trouble? You know, we've spoken about this, you and I, before, the, the risks, and you, you've hedged out in, in terms of your crypto arbitrage service, you hedged out all of the risks that you could, which was basically your currency and your crypto price. You could basically lock in a profit from the moment that you pull the trigger. But the one aspect, the one weak link in that chain was always counterparty risk. And here it is, you know, Silvergate does turn out to be a weak link. Was there any sign on your side that things were going wrong there? Yeah, so on our side, there were no signs that things were going wrong, but there definitely were subtle signs. For example, uh, Silvergate's share price has been slowly decreasing ever since the FTX collapse, which caused concern that perhaps there was uh, some contagion there or some other reason that uh, Silvergate was losing value over time. However, what what we've done as a company is we've done extensive due diligence on our third parties, one of which being Circle. Um, And we knew that Circle were strong enough to survive even if uh, Silvergate had an issue. And therefore, we knew that our clients' funds were safe. Now, in terms of the due diligence we did on our third parties, one of which being Circle, we know they have a strong balance sheet. We know that their USDC is held in... U.S. dollar reserves in bank accounts that aren't Silvergate related. But on top of that, that's never been enough for us. We also needed to meet the management team at Circle to be sure. So we, we've flown to London where they invited us to a private dinner. We've flown to San Francisco where we attended a conference of theirs where we've met the CEO and other senior executives and made sure that this team really is who we think they are and there's nothing funny happening. And after looking at both their financials and management, we were aware that Circle are the correct counterparty here. So in truth, 
this was never really a concern safety-wise. We knew it would be a concern operationally if Silvergate went down, and that's exactly what's happened. But uh, the fact that we haven't lost any funds of our clients is no surprise to us because we've done our due diligence effectively on Circle um, and ensured that's the case. Yeah, and a circle, as I mentioned earlier, is the issuer of the USDC stablecoin, which is backed one-to-one by US dollars. And uh, that's got a market cap, I think it's about $43 billion, which makes it the fifth largest crypto in terms of size. So it's it's a pretty substantial one. And you went for the USDC rather than another stablecoin, and there's several out there. Maybe just talk about that for a minute. Why did you do that? Yeah, Karen, I think it comes back to the same reasoning. You know, we've always prioritized safety over anything else. And there were loads of stable coins that were interesting to us. I mean, but the, but the truth is that USDC is the one that's faced the regulator, that's been sure to have their reserves audited, that's been sure to do everything by the book to ensure that safety is their number one concern. And they are a stable coin in the true sense of the word, in that they will replace any USDC with USD if you want them to, because they've got the reserves to do so. And therefore, they've done it the right way. Some other stable coins aren't quite as transparent with their reserves, don't uh, have as much, I guess, um, yeah, transparency and, and aren't quite as an accountable. And we were always going to go for the most accountable uh, institution, that being Circle. So for that reason, we stuck with Circle. We still trust Circle. We believe that their banking partner had an issue. But this just caused an operational issue rather than any form of financial risk. All right. And just to be clear, you are arbitraging USDC and I think Bitcoin as well on occasion. Am I correct? Yeah, that's correct, Karen. We are, to my knowledge, we are the only arbitrage company that was actually able to decide between Bitcoin and USDC based on which of the two had a higher premium at the time, which always meant that we could improve on returns versus our competitors because of that uh, ability to do both. So we're really looking to replicate that solution with another bank, one which uh, doesn't hasn't been tainted like Silvergate has and uh, yeah, ideally would work with Circle. All right. And when we spoke before, Future Forex had started moving into offering Forex services to high net worth individuals. And in that, you're competing against the banks in terms of pricing and service. And, and you know, it, it was um, fairly radical the way that you, you did that. Is this, uh, I, I mean, I've pretty blown away when you said you got 45 staff. I mean, for a crypto arbitrage company, that's a, that's a pretty serious operation. You must have been moving big volumes. But just talk about this transition then. Uh, is it a transition into, you know, being a forex service provider? Yeah, Kieran. So this is not only the future of our company, but in my view, it might be the future of forex. The way that I see it is that forex at the moment is an industry which is relatively broken, um, for lack of a better way of putting it. I think there's a there's a lack of tech integration. There is a lack of service in the forex industry. And I think that the pricing is also too high at present. So effectively, we've thought, we've thought to ourselves, you know, we've started a successful business by really revolutionizing um, the investment industry by, by outperforming traditional investments by quite a margin. And we thought, Let's replicate what we've done, but do it in the forex industry. So we're targeting importers, exporters, 
high net worth individuals that want to send money into and out of the country. And we basically want to make this a simple process for them and a cheap process for them, which we don't think currently exists in the South African market. So you say that we're competing with banks. That's true. But we're also working with banks. We're working with the likes of Capitech Bank and Investec Bank to ensure that we can offer clients the best service with the best banks and almost act as an in-between so that we're able to be the ones that face clients and ensure that they are satisfied with their service, satisfied with their pricing, and things are just done in an easier way than they would have been used to. Harry Scherzer, CEO of Future Forex, thanks for joining us. And no doubt you'll keep us up to date on your crypto arbitrage service uh, when you have some news. Yeah, it was great chatting to you, Karen. Thanks for, thanks for the time. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.